Man, welcome in. Welcome in to the show. Have you, have you ever said that? Welcome into a show. Can no. you go? Can you go into a show first? Yeah, you can. You you can do what you want. You got the mic. So so anyway, welcome Adam Conk right here, right hey, now in right this here. nice, tight little space. Yeah, uh, studios are great when they're when they're small. Well, they're great when they're small if you like the person that's in there with you. And that they smell okay. Yeah, and they smell okay. Which in this case, you smell mediocre. I showered this which morning. Which is good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, morning you wear your nice the, cologne or anything. Morning's the it. best time to find me, bro. <laughs> morning's the best time to Not find me. Not after a day's work. Not early morning. Early morning, I am grump fest. Really? Oh, like, yeah. Get out of my way. Like, don't talk to me in the morning. Oh. Hey, and you're okay with this? <laughs> I got to have like, I got to have like some tea or something. I got to shower. After I do all that, I'm fine, and I even smell good. Wow. Yes. Okay, so so have you seen the news lately? Have you seen the news lately? Yeah, like, like any news. Like, what ha- did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? Yeah, I'm for real. Like, I am literally almost done with internet. All right, well, listen. I understand how you feel. Okay, I get it. But there's also a lot of great stuff. Like, I found something on the internet. Let's do pros and cons Hold of on. the internet. I found something on the internet that is a big pro. Okay. I found Paul George. Really? Do you know where I found Paul George at? Where? The University of Dallas website. Yes. Did you? There's a picture of you. That right. same old picture <laughs> that <laughs> you obviously sent into them. They can't find a And an article about you. Right. At the University of Dallas website. You yes. got to tell me the story. Well, I mean, they reached out to me. I got my, my graduate degree from there, and they reached out to me about the work that I do, and they wanted to do an article. Like an alumni spotlight. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You've, you've achieved, like, Lady Gaga status. Like, it goes on their website, maybe in their, in their like, you know, newsletter or whatever. Is there going to be, like, a Paul George Day to, to commemorate this? Like an, like an actual day like, like i declare this paul george day <laughs> what you know like most like if you make like the hall of fame mm-hmm. you know for like an like a professional team or college you know they put a statue there's like that's like yeah. a thing like, like I, in your hometown right like yeah when i was you know out in la there was a statue of shaquille o'neal in front of the big statue the lakers huge uh and kareem <laughs> abdul jabbar you know kobe brown all, all these the famous people uh anyway so they're gonna do a statue of me so you're from Marksville? Yeah, like I was born in Marksville Hospital. That's where the statue is going to go? or No, it should go at the University of Dallas. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're going to do it either, uh, they gave me a choice, either they're <laughs> going to do the statue in chocolate <laughs> or in ice so that it melts Aww. away. Well, at least for a day you'll have it, which is pretty <laughs> Anyway, cool. it's a simple article about like uh, my history and ministry work and stuff like that. It's awesome. It's an honor. Look, and all jokes aside, you don't deserve this. But it's cool that they did it. <laughs> yeah, it is cool. No, I'm just kidding. You've done a lot of great work and it's it's cool to be recognized and and all that. And and you know, and I know that you know that this isn't isn't about you, but it's about what God has done in your life. But it's kind of cool to see it written down, right? Like here's what here's the journey you went on from that twenty year old kid trying to learn how to do youth ministry to, to where you are now. Yeah, I would have never wrote an article about myself, but if somebody wanted to do it, I was fine with it. Whatever. But anyway, there are pros and cons to the internet. Mostly cons these days, because when I turn on the news, I lose complete and total hope and faith in the world, and everything's a, just a drab 
it's it's just miserable and i wish i could go back to the days without the interwebs just for a couple of days hmm when you ever feel that way or am i the only one well okay here's the thing and i think you said it in your phrase i turn on the news yes is that you gotta you gotta you can't see media as a passive thing as in, I'm just going to take what they give me. Okay. Because you will be totally depressed. Well, okay. So then, the, <laughs> then you know, so the other the con about, you know, the internet is that there's all this fake news out there. Exactly. So then you don't know what you're clicking on, if that's if it's really real, if it's true, if it's accurate, you know, yada, yada. And then you say, well, you know what? I just want to uh, get away and I just want to watch sports. So I don't want to think about the news. I just want to watch sports. Well, sports Not has safe. become... Uh, this place where everything's political now, so I can't watch sports without th- thinking about stuff. And then you know, it's like, well, then I would just want to, you know, watch uh, a video of like, you know, bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, and then you think to yourself, I have no life. Yeah. Right. I need to be educated. So then it, it's just. I went to the University of Dallas for goodness' sake. It, it's a tailspin, <laughs> you know. I went from the news to sports to bloopers to like I'm a nobody. <laughs> Okay, but you okay, and this is hard for people who aren't millennials to understand. The world of news is an active world now. You can have everything you want out of news, right. but you got to go find it, and it's not from outlets like Fox News or CNN or whoever. It's from people that you learn to like, like that journalist, that guy that you can trust. I can trust him, but I, I don't can know trust anybody. her. I like it. So you got you got to do some work, but when you find it, it's gold. It's a jackpot, and that's where you get your news. Okay, so here are the positive things about the internet, okay, that I didn't have, and thank God, is, like, I literally right now can look at my kids' grades. Mm -hmm. I can track their test scores right now, live time. I can see it, and I can go home and say, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) I already know. I already know. We don't even have to talk. Yeah, this is crazy. (laughs) Not only that, like, there's an app where you could track, like, like them, you know, because I have teenagers, it, you could track their lunch, like what they yep. spent, like in the lunch room, and it's like, you know, real time. Yep. Oh, like you got an extra Salisbury steak. <laughs> you feeding your friend, you're or gonna, you just really hungry? You gonna pay us back for that, or what? You gonna pay us back? Because <laughs> that was an extra, you know, three ninety nine. <laughs> and you didn't ask permission for that. I mean, they're literally an app for everything. <laughs> And you think this is a pro. See, I think this is kind of a con. Well, it is kind of a con. I'm going to get into it. And you can track your kid. You can track them. Oh, yeah. Where are they at? Who where they they're at? Who are they hanging with? And I get all the safety measures. I, I get all that, especially mm-hmm. with kids that are driving. And look, but back in the day, my parents didn't know where I went. Absolutely not. So either they had to trust me or they just had to say, good luck, kid. Now, that being said, sometimes we abuse that freedom. Right. And sometimes we get messed up for life from that. Yes. But I think overall that's a more healthy human way to live. Well, you have to build in this, you know, I don't want to get into all this, but you have to build in trust. Whether you mm-hmm. can track or app or you know, whatever is, it's all about trust. It's all about trust with, with friends and, and particularly with your kids and parenting. If you can trust them, then you don't always have to be uh, um, tracking them. Mm-hmm. People feel tracked, they feel like you don't trust them anyway. But there is this balance of safety and whatnot. But so there are a lot of pros to the internet, but I, I get glad just, to hear you say that. Yeah, yeah, you're a millennial. I, I, I'm, it, but it, it just admit to me, can you, that it is a little bit depressing. The, it is 100 percent depressing. And, and the news, 
and I just want people to to, to have hope and yeah. to love each other. That's a great. Like hope. I just don't understand. <laughs> That's a great like, desire, I, Paul. I, look, I am not at all, uh, you know, Jesus or the disciples. Uh, you know, like I'm trying my best, but I get it when Jesus, oftentimes in the Gospels, to say, "You guys just don't." get it Mm -hmm. you don't understand what i'm trying to say Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think there were times where he was really disappointed in the world a world that 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 he knew is called to love each other and and bring hope and good news and then he would look around and something tragic would be happening and and there was he was sad about it yeah yeah he wept over jerusalem he but wept think, over Jerusalem. He wept over uh, Lazarus, who was dead, mm-hmm. his friend. He wept in the garden, uh, you know, on his on his way to be crucified, and and you know, heaven was bankrupt by Jesus, by God, so that so that we can have wealth in Him, and we can be saved. And yet, our world is constantly bickering and fighting and hating. And it, it just drives me crazy. Yeah. I, I really do just want people to love each other. Yeah. But I think there's good news. One pro of the internet and technology is that if you are a Christian who's listening to Jesus today. Right now. You can have every bit of formation that you need to live a life of holiness. And that's true. you know exactly where people are hurting and what their need is. So like Hurricane Harvey, for example. We might not have heard about that. Like we did. I mean, 10 years ago, Katrina was a, uh, well, that wasn't 10, but that was what, 12 years ago, was a different story. Even then, the changes in technology, we could be Christians meeting people's needs in prayer and financially and by our presence way better today than we could in any other time in human history. And so I, I think it's a time of yeah. great hope of a, of a Christian, but you can't receive culture. You got to change culture. But it, it does pull people together. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it, it pulls us in solidarity with the people of Harvey or the people of Puerto Rico or the people of Mexico where these natural disasters have been happening. It pulls us together. They raise money quick. Um, you know, the, the needs are met faster. Uh, you know, I grew up in a time where the only time I ever saw the Pope was in a a National Geographic magazine. So unless you traveled to Rome or you met him at a World Youth Day and you saw him from a mile away and he looked like a Q-tip, he was so small, uh, th- that was it. And now you can follow the Pope on Twitter. Uh, you can see pictures and, and videos and, and you feel like you can get to know people. But that also is not a good thing because then we misread people. We misread people, uh, what they say, and we take everything and we twist it. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, you know, I, I know people who, who just, they just hate everything everybody does because they just take little snippets of someone's life because it was on the internet and they just say, well, this person is you this. You think you know that person, yeah. 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 I mean, it takes it takes virtue to live today, just like any other time in human history, but that's that's your, that's your job, Paul. You're a virtue builder. You Boom. build virtue in people. Boom. So anyway, speaking of that, we're going to have a great conversation today uh, with a good friend of mine, Chris Faddis, about hope. We're going to dive into this because if you're out there and you think, you know, I need a little hope today, a little love, a little a little truth today in my life, today is your day. Boom. Live it. Here we go. Paul George Show. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. 
Best yet, Solidarity HealthShares members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. I'm excited, as always, to have my friend, brother from another mother out in Phoenix, Arizona, Chris Faddis. What's up, bro? Hey, Paul George. How are you, sir? Good, man. You know, it's always uh, it's always good to hear your voice. You have, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, you have one of those voices uh, and demeanors. It's like, yeah, you know, when I'm talking to Chris, I feel like everything's going to be all right. Oh, dude, that that means a lot. Thanks for saying that. I don't yes. know if my kids feel that way, but you know, <laughs> that's good to hear that. Probably not always, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, last time I talked, I they talked don't feel to that you way when I say that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> last time I talked to you uh, was not on air, but you were in Washington D.C. You do work with Solidarity HealthShare. Uh, you're out there lobbying and all, all this stuff that's going on with healthcare in our world. So thanks for doing that work, man. Uh, it's really good stuff. Really good. Thank you. I, I appreciate you saying that. It, you know, we love doing it. I have to say it is absolutely draining to be on the Hill for five minutes, but, um, <laughs> but you know, God's doing good things in the church. And so what I keep realizing is the same trip I was with uh, a bunch of Catholic leaders from around the country. And, you know, what I realize is as much as we, we get overwhelmed, you know, by just, so much darkness and evil out there, you know, but there's so many great things, as you know, so many little movements around the church happening. It's just, it's incredible. So praise God for that. Yeah. So side note, when plan on asking you this question, so I've been to Capitol Hill once and it was to receive some weird award and, and that was it. I was in and out, but I, I've never, uh, I've never lobbied or met with people like, what's it like being on Capitol Hill, man, for a week? You know, I would say draining is number one. <laughs> it's just, you know, you're, you're just expending. And I mean, first of all, we're, we're there to beg our federal government to protect us so we can practice our faith, you know, which is kind of sad that we have to do that. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, being in those offices, what, you know, what I see is funny, Paul. One time I was in one of those offices and it was a bunch of, um, it was a bunch of kids that like work there now. They're, I mean, they're not kids anymore, but they still look like kids. Millennials? They were like, you know, they, yeah, they were all people who went to like the local Jesuit school here in Phoenix, which you're familiar with, uh, Brophy Prep, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was just so weird because it was like, I'm sitting there and all these staffers, so this, this congresswoman, are all people who could have been in our youth groups years ago, you know? Um, so it, it's an interesting, it's just this weird vibe. Everyone's trying to one up the other for us. We just go in with humility, you know, and, and just, just ask for, for some help. And, and generally we get it. Um, there's, you know, I used to get excited about it. I really don't anymore. I'm grateful when we get an opportunity to meet with, with people. Um, but, you know, I, I do think there's good things happening as much as they can. Um, unfortunately, the healthcare care thing, I, I don't know that, uh, that our current situation, we're really going to make many changes. Um, but I think there, there are some good things happening. So, you know, it's an interesting vibe. It's an, I love D.C. I mean, it's a fun city to be in to me, and I love all the history and all of that. But whenever I'm in those Senate or congressional offices, I'm always kind of like, man, this is just a lot of people just trying to one-up the other, you know? <laughs> Seriously. I, I'm like the antithesis of wanting up people. Like, I just I just quit a long time ago. Okay, but anyway, here's what yeah. I want to talk to you about today. It's, it, I have to talk about this, whether or not you want to or not. Um, <laughs> it, it's just been bugging me. 
And it's a very simple word, and it's a word that I know that, that you know uh, probably better than I do. Uh, it's the word hope. Uh, and I need to talk about this with you today because as I look uh, online, I watch the news, uh, you know, I look around the world, I look in D.C., wh- whatever, wherever you want to go and look, your own community, uh, I just, I, I need hope. I, I feel like there's a lack of that in, in our country, in our world, and in families, and in relationships. Do you find that? Like, you, do you ever just driving, you're like, man, like the, our world seems like it's just lacking hope. Yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, the most, the place I feel like I see it most is, is it's social media, you know? Gosh. Um, and it's so easy to just, like, just get so down by it, you know? Um, and I do. I mean, I, I see there's lack of hope. There's people who don't feel like their life is ever going to improve. There's, there's people who are, you know, who are in deeper poverty than they were 10 years ago, and it doesn't seem to get better. There's, you know, and then there's a lot of just this, like we just talked about all the political stuff going on, all the, all the vitriol and all of that. What I, what I find is it's, um, I mean, obviously, you know, we can say all the cliche things like hope is in, my, in our Lord, you know, <laughs> you know it's, which is true, but, but you find yourself just that deep down in that. And then when I get to be around others like this conference I was at last week and, you know, that are, that are doing great things, it's like it kind of brings me up out of that a little bit. Mm. Like, okay, like there are good things happening out there in the midst of all this filth, you know, but. But yeah, it is hard. There are days when, um, I mean, I felt like that. I think it was yesterday. I woke up just feeling like that just everything was awful. You know, it was just, yeah. there wasn't any hope. And my wife even said, she's like, are you being attacked? Because you're kind of being mean. You know? like, <laughs> yeah, you seriously. Know, like, you're not being uh, very kind right now, and, you know, asking me for that creamer, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude, my wife has never said that to me. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. Oh, so anyway, uh, and the reason I want to talk about this with you is because, you know, you've had some hardships, you know, when you, you lost your wife, Angela, and, you know, that and, and, and your background, your story, and you wrote a beautiful book as well. Uh, when, when you have found in your life that you lacked hope or you felt like there wasn't hope, what, what were the things or the thing that you could do to kind of bring yourself out of that? Like you just made one point um, that surrounding yourself with people who have hope or who are doing things, but what else would, would you say that for, for us that are, that are listening, that we could grab hold of hope? Yeah. You know, I remember there was something that Angela said one time when she was, um, when she was, you know, kind of nearing the end of her cancer journey, she said, you know, we tried to give up hope, but we just can't, Hmm. (laughs) you know, it was like this hope just kept every time you kind of just went, you know what, forget it. Like, why are we even hoping and, you know, that God's going to help this, that the hope would well up within us, you know? Um, and that wasn't always easy. You don't always feel that. And I think that, I think kind of the difference is that, that consolation, like, where do you get the consolation that you have hope? You know, you can say we have hope, but where's that consolation at? And, you know, for me, I mean, there's a lot of ways, I mean, certainly adoration, um, just going, you know, and, and so often, Paul, I feel like I'm bad at adoration, you know, like, like I don't, I can't focus. I don't know what to say. You know, I do my chapel, and then I try to sit and meditate, and I'm like, feel like I'm talking to God, and next thing you know, I'm thinking about the Diamondbacks game, you know? Right. I, like, I, I, but at the same time, there's such a peace, you know, in this beautiful thing. We have in our parish now, um, actually, where your old office was, there's now a reliquarium. Um, really? Where there's just, I think there's probably 50 saints in there. And it's like, well, just the most peaceful place for me when I feel like I'm losing hope. So, so I just, yeah, I, those kind of things, Christian music, you know? Hmm. Um, 
we'll, you know, we'll often in our family, if someone's having a bad day, Jen will say, you know, hey, Gus, you have a rough day. What song do you want on? You know, and he'll pick a Christian song. And, and it, it kind of just helps to bring us up out of that, you know. Yeah, no, um, Matt pe- Marr songs are great for that, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people tell me, you know, like I try to pray and my I don't feel like I pray well or I fall asleep or, you know, God doesn't hear me. And I, I heard this this one preacher say recently, he said, you know what, I, I was never mad or disappointed or upset when one of my kids fell asleep in my arms. And, I, wow. I, you know, I can't imagine that God would be the same, you know, he said. Uh, and 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 we, we try to put pro- productivity on our relationship with God or our prayer when really maybe all God wants is to show up in his arms and just be there. Like, is that not yeah. enough? Like, is, is that not That's enough? amazing. Right? Yeah. It's that, you know what's so awesome? My grandmother, she passed away about a year ago, and, and um, we knew that she prayed the rosary at night. You know what? She would talk about she'd fall asleep a lot. Right. When they, were, when they were cleaning out her house, they found, like, dozens of rosaries all, like, in her bed and pillows and under her bed and everything <laughs> from, like, she was like, yeah, I lost my rosary and have to get another one, right? <laughs> she was falling asleep with Mary every night, you right. know what I mean? Right. And, how, and the evidence was in all these rosaries all over her floor, her room, you know? And... Um, that you're right. I mean, just just kind of resting in God, and it doesn't always feel good, but in that, like, it, it allows Him to work, and eventually that hope kind of wells back up. That that consolation of hope. Yeah, I find that for for me, when I'm losing hope, I'm really really focused on all the other things in life, uh, and I hyper focus on maybe something that's going bad or not well, or I'm not having a breakthrough in. And when I hyper-focus and look at those things, I completely lose trust in God and I lose hope. Mm-hmm. And I don't know yeah. anything else other than being able to hit the pause button or even the slow motion button in, in leaning into prayer, adoration, church, mass, and allowing God to just slow life down for a moment, right? Right, right. Yeah, and you know, have you have you ever heard of the novena of surrender to the will of God? I've heard of it, yes. It's a... Uh... So it's a, it was this this priest in Italy in the in you know I think he died in the seventies but it's this beautiful novena where we're literally just putting yourself in the place of surrender every day you know we're just, we're finishing up today uh, you know day nine um, and uh, we've done it Jen and I have done it like five times this summer and you know that we've been through a lot of discernment this summer and different transitions in our life and and I mean we literally just did it back to back three weeks you know three times in a row you know and. Um, but what I love about it is the prayer, and it's similar to Jesus, I trust in you, you know, the divine mercy, but, but it's, uh, oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you, take care of everything. Hmm. And I found for me, and you say that ten times as part of this, Navina, you know, and I found for me that those prayers like that, those simple prayers, like uh, some of those prayers, like people would call Mother Teresa's ten-finger prayers, you know, right. um, Mary, Mother of Jesus, be a mother to me now, you know, those kind of simple, quick prayers where we just put ourselves into the place of surrender, even if we don't feel like it. And that's what's really worked for me, I think, lately, is just when I have that lack of hope or that, that welling up of anxiety, just to say to God, I surrender. Hmm. I surrender. Like, and I think that's what the saints tell us, right? If we're, if we're not feeling the consolations of God, if we're not feeling the answer to prayers, then we have to surrender more. We just have to keep surrendering. You know, we haven't done enough, you know? And um, that's the hard part, but I, I do think it just brings so much peace when you can put yourself in that place. I, I think that's why, you know, in, in Scripture it says pray without ceasing. Uh, I, I mean, I think 
and I know that it's certainly not saying that that we all need to live in a monastery and and pray 24 hours a day. But this idea of praying without ceasing is this prayer that's on our heart, this conversation that we need to be having with God throughout the day. Like, I can't tell you, there's many times when I'm driving or I'm working, and I just have to take a deep breath and say, Jesus, I trust in you, or Lord, I surrender, or Lord, give me some hope. That conversation that's happening, because uh, I'm bombarded with all these distractions and then all these other thoughts about life that are taking me down, right? And I need to be pulled out of that. I don't know how else to do that, man. And, and I understand why people get depressed or they do drugs or they overeat and they do all these things because what's happening is they're just trying anything to pull them out of their funk. And it's not working. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you kind of can get to that point. I mean, and I've, I've certainly done that where I, I'm looking for consolation anywhere, yes. you know, um, you know, and, and it's, uh, luckily for me, it hasn't turned into addiction, but I, but certainly there's been times when I'm looking for consolation in, in all the wrong places as, uh, you know, uh, I think the Commodores would say. So, you know, it's, um, it's kind of one of those things that, that, uh, it's hard to do. And, 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 and I think what's hard about it, Paul, for me is like, and I would imagine others is, okay, so you told me I should pray, Jesus, I trust in you. Great. I did that. I still feel like junk, you know? So right. it's that piece of like, I still don't feel it, but I think, like you said, the leaning into God, um, and sometimes for me, it's also just forcing, because I, what I find is I have a hard time when I'm feeling that way, working on anything. Yes. You know? Right. And I, I think that's the number one way the devil attacks me, is he distracts me with anxiety, because right. I can just, I mean, I, I could be flying through a week, accomplishing awesome things, and it'll, the whole project will fall apart because of that. And what I've realized is I, it, part of it as well for me is, is actually even though I don't feel that consolation, still stepping into the work I have to do and at least doing the next task that I need to do. Um, and a lot of times what I'll find is over a little bit, I'll realize that, okay, I'm, I'm, I feel good now. I, you know, God's, God's here. I'm doing the right thing is what I'm supposed to do. So I do think there's that practical aspect too of like, just keep pushing forward, you know, while you're praying, you know, um, that, you know, at least that helps me, you know, so. Well, I know a lot of times for me, like we, I want prayer to change the exterior of my life. Uh, you know, I want to change the surroundings that maybe the, the, the job situation or the financial situation or the family situation or the whatever. I, I want my prayer, my prayer to change the exterior. Uh, and that's not always uh, what happens and what God does immediately. But here's what God does promise is that when we trust and hope in him and we pray, God will change the interior. Our interior right. will begin to calm and and slow down and trust in something greater that is ourself. And, right. that, and that's when things right. begin to change in our life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and to bring back Angela into this, you know, that was the example I saw in her. You know, I saw in that 17 months of her cancer, her prayer go from, and it, it doesn't mean she didn't still pray this, but Lord, I just want to be here for my kids, for their proms and their homecomings and their graduations and their weddings, you know. It changed from those, like, Lord, you know, save me from this, to Lord, purify me. You know, and really, and, and honestly, instantly she recognized that, that God would use cancer to purify her. But over time, it became this, this surrender of saying, okay, Lord, you have a different plan here so far, you know. So I'm still praying for a miracle, but I'm also trusting in what you're doing. And I think you're right. It's that interior change. And what I watched and I witnessed in her was, 
was this transformation and this purification of her heart and her, her mind to the, to where at the end she said, you know, we think we have so much control in life, but really what all life is about is about surrendering to God's will with joy. Hmm. And it was like this, this, this interior transformation happened over that time to where at the end she truly was surrendered to God, you know? And that's what I think is, is so interesting about what you said, that it is this interior peace. And ultimately, and you know this, that that's where hope comes from, right? That, yep. that as our interior is transformed, our hope grows. And so over time, you know, maybe we don't struggle as much with hope. We might struggle with other things, but, but our hope is there, you know, and that's where somebody like Angela could say, I tried giving up hope, but I just can't. Yes. And I think you the know? whole point is that our hope can't, can't be in ourself. It can't be in someone else. Uh, it can't be in something else because those things simply won't fulfill us. And when we put our hope in God and our trust, the interior of our life begins to change. And even when it's difficult, you know, I have bad days. Like you said, you have bad days, but you just hang on because, because God comes through. And yes, we might have some things exteriorly in our life that need to change. And God will help us with those. But if we're in turmoil inside, we won't even be able to change the things on the outside because we'll be too chaotic uh, in, right. in our life. So speaking of chaos, man, um, yeah, I I want to thank you again for, uh, for tackling the hill, man, Capitol Hill, so that, uh, you know, people like me and Adam in here can have rights to our health care. It's pretty cool stuff, man. <laughs> I have and to your conscience. <laughs> yeah, and into our, you know, you're fighting for my conscience, man. So for people, I, I want to remind them to to visit solidarityhealthshare.org. It's a great organization and a great company to uh, um, to provide health healthcare for us. So it's really, really good. Really, really good. So Chris, well, I, I know you, you're I know you're busy, and and for those listening, um, you're you're you have a tough day ahead of you taking your mom to, to the doctor. So we'll be praying for you. And I want to just invite everyone else to, to pray for you and everything you have on your plate. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate the prayers and appreciate your support. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you again soon. All right, man. Have a good day. God bless. Hold on to hope. Talk you to you too. later. God bless. Bye. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Been staring over at Adam Conk. Quiet. I know. What's this new thing you're doing staring at me? In the corner. You know what the worst part about the interviews are? What? You're quiet over there, like a lonely like little that? puppy. I enjoy that because I'm. It's my time to be fed. Look, I got six kids. I got a job. <laughs> I got a car. <laughs> I'm feeding all the time. <laughs> I got all these things going on in my life. <laughs> so it's my time to be fed. I need hope. 
I do need hope. Right? You get a little bit was, of hope from just, that interview? Can I just say that I love Chris Faddis? Yeah, he's good. Like, I always want to hear more from him because, I mean, his life has brought him such wisdom. Yeah. His faith in Jesus through all of that. I just, I just love him. Yeah, it was a great conversation uh, about hope. I know it kind of started the, the show off a little sour with, like, this hopelessness. But, uh, you know, there is hope. There's hope in Jesus. There's hope in our faith. And that's what pulls us out. You know, all these swirling, moving pieces, not only world or Internet, but in our own personal lives, all these moving pieces. And the only thing that can, brings calm to the storm is our faith in God. Mm. Right? Mm. Uh. Mm. Preach it. I'm easy. Oh, boy. I'm easy like Sunday morning. <laughs> you like that song? I do. That was an 80s tune. Lionel Richie. Lionel. All right, how about the six-pack of questions, bro? Question. All right, question number one. You started the conversation with a very awkward description of Chris Faddis's voice. Do you remember this? No. You said his voice was very pleasant and I do remember made now. you happy or something. That's right. No, it was soothing. Did yeah. I say soothing? I don't know. Maybe. I, I just remember the awkwardness. Um, so my question is, <laughs> how do you feel when I talk to you? It, actually, it is interesting. When you hear people's voices, it does strike an emotion, of course. So you have to pay attention to that. So if you think about songs, there's certain mm-hmm. songs that put you in certain moods. Yeah. Right? Lionel Richie, boom, good mood. Good mood. For me. Good mood. Right? Do you have a good mood, like, singer, like, automatic? Boys to men. But bo- bo- Boys to men. Yep. That one? Any okay. boys to men song. Any boy. So so okay. Uh, so so Chris is soothing, calm. Uh, when I hear your voice, it makes me smile. Oh, <laughs> every time. And it, I'm not saying it's a good smile. <laughs> it's just a smile. Wow. Thanks, Paul. And I don't know if other people who are listening would think that. I hope they would because. <laughs> <laughs> but th- that answers your question. All right, it does. It does. Question number two. So you just kind of breezed by the fact that you went to the capital of the United States of America to receive a reward one day, yeah. and you didn't say what that award was. No. So I, all of our listeners want to know. I'm sure they're just on the edge of their what seat. weird award did you receive at the Capitol? I'm sure they're on the edge of their seat. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2005, Hurricane Katrina, I think I mentioned that in one of the shows, Yeah. Um, we did some outreach, a lot of outreach to the people who were affected by the storm. And we adore ministries. I received the award on behalf of uh, the work of the ministry for the work that we did. Wow. So flew to Washington, D.C. on a private jet. Hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> That's another Lionel Richie. Um, not my private jet, like the Capitol the government. Hill. government. Ca- yeah, whatever. And then received the award, and it was Who awesome. Who gave it to you? Some senator. That is awesome. Yeah. Congrats, man. Yeah, I don't even know where it is. The award. You serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. Oh my gosh, Paul. Hey, we're not we're not called to earthly treasures, bro. Like earthly awards. Our our reward. I mean, you can put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in your closet. At least. <laughs> our reward <laughs> is in heaven. Yeah. Right. But that was a symbol of your heavenly reward because you did a lot of good work, man. Boom. Here's what was cool is that we left like at noon. We flew to D.C. straight, no direct. Didn't have to go through an airport. Nothing went to this banquet, and I was in bed at midnight. Back here? In Louisiana. That is... It was so cool, man. It was like the one time in my life I was like, people who fly private jets know exactly what they're doing. (laughs) This is amazing. You can get used to this. (laughs) I can get used to this right here. Now, I don't know how much money it took for that to happen, but 
it was worth it. Taxpayer funding for, for Paul George there. Yeah. All right, question number three. So it seemed like Chris had a real awareness of his own like emotional state and how he's affected by things. Like he was talking about how when he gets cranky, his wife tells him he realizes, oh, and I need more hope, you know, and the things that bring him hope and bring him back to a better place. Um, but it seems like there's this idea that there's something wrong with us if we need stuff like that. Like right. we should be just strong in ourselves, and that kind of thing. So what's this balance between being a stable person where you can actually exist by yourself, but also realizing you have a need and being aware of that of, of others and, and you have emotions and all these things? Yeah, I think having it all together, is, that's, that's a lie. It's fake news, man. It's fake. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> I, I think Chris is authentic. Uh, and when, when people ask me, like, what's the first step? What's one of the first steps, I guess, to to moving forward, healing, uh, getting better, um, you, you know, all these things. And I would say one of the first steps is being self-aware, like being self-aware of who you are, your patterns of behavior, your, your moods, what you do wrong, what hurts you, all these things. That's when we become aware of what we can grow in, what we can change in and, and, and you know, what affects us. And yeah, I'm grumpy in the mornings and I've tried to change that. But there's certain things I can change and be self-aware and be challenged in in my life. And I think that's important. And I think Chris is self-aware. I think through his life and, and his story and the things that have happened, he's embraced it to the point where it's, it's, it's made him more self-aware. I think a lot of times what people do is they just run from their issues and they're not self-aware at all. So they never grow. Mm. How do you Man. grow if you're not aware, right? Preaching truth this morning. Boom. Go. All right. So he talked about surrender. I'd like for you to elaborate a little bit because it came out of the conversation on hope. What is this connection between surrendering to God and hope? I think a lot of times in my life or people assume that hope or trust in God is having it all together. I think it's literally the opposite. It's admitting that we don't. Mm. And when we admit that we don't have it together or we don't have control, that brings us to a place then saying then who does who does have it together and who does have control over my life the only person that that can take the reins and move us forward is god so this idea that that i need to surrender control over my life and be be completely abandoned to god is is huge it's huge huge question number five so you talked about simple prayers and that saying them often, like in the course of your day in your life. Yeah. Why are those important? Well, I know some people do them, some people don't. So what what's the difference it makes in your life? Well, the New Testament tells us pray without ceasing. What does that mean? I mean, certainly we're also called to work and labor and raise our family. So if we literally, like I said, we're in a monastery, I mean, you can interpret it that way. And And, and some people are called literally into the monastery or the the convent or to pray more than, than we, but for us normal people uh, who are called to holiness just the same uh, praying without ceasing i think is having this ongoing conversation with god throughout our day so if we have a prayer time or we go to mass or whatever this ability to to keep the conversation going with god throughout your day even if it's gratitude even if it's petition even if it's thanksgiving even if it's just a conversation of God help me right now, whatever it is, 
that's praying without ceasing, the ability to keep the conversation with God going. It would be interesting if if you uh, if you only talk to your wife, you know, once a day, you know, but you didn't text her or call her throughout the day. Hey, here's what's going on. Or can you go pick up one of the kids here and do this? Like if you guys just didn't talk, but you only just talked once a day for a couple of minutes, you really probably would have a lot of chaos in your life. Yeah. Right? Because there's a lot of moving pieces, even logistically. Yeah. So it's important to keep the conversation going. Like the line's always open between you and your wife. Now, you don't see each other all day when you're working or you're not on the phone all day with her, but the line's always open. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how we should be with God. Man, you're just so profound this morning. I am on it. (laughs) Did you eat something that brought you all this wisdom? I don't know. I'm on it. Okay. Yeah. You're on it. Yeah. I'm in the zone. In the zone. You are. The Paul zone. All right. Last one. Question number six. So I want to talk about being like a hope stealer for a second. So I say this because I'm becoming more aware of how easy it is to discourage, to not be a force of hope, but actually the opposite and cause people to despair. Mm -hmm. So one, how can you identify if you are someone who discourages people, if you're that kind of person? And what can you do about that? Like, how can you how can you be a more encouraging people? A uh, person that that engenders hope. Oh man, you just hit one of my pet peeves. Mm. So I mean, y- you know, you hear that some people are optimist, some people are pessimist, some people are realist. I would probably put myself in the category of a realist. Like I'm gonna come into a situation, I'm gonna be like, "What's the reality?" So if the reality is good, I'm gonna call it good. If the reality is not good, I'm gonna just say it's not good. Uh, it, I, maybe as I get older, I'm more of a realist, less of an optimist, but certainly not against optimism and hope okay uh but here so here's here's where i think i can answer your question that's also a pet peeve of mine is that people who are are realist who who name the issue or the problem uh, but don't provide a solution and that's all i see going on in the world for Mm -hmm. the most part is everybody's just like constantly bickering and naming the problem and very few people are saying here's the solution for us to move forward. Here's the solution. So this is what I like when I help people either one-on-one in coaching or in consulting work is to be able to name the issues or the problems, but also provide the solutions. So here's what we can do to move forward, to bring uh, this, to make this better. So what I found, at least in my own trying to grow in prudence and virtue, is I'm trying not to name the problem if I'm not willing to also name the solution and follow through with it. Mm. A lot of reflection to do. So we talked about like, you know, there's a battle to fight and your battle might not be my battle, but we all should be caught fighting for something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I just got to say, like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to name the battle for someone then I at least need to be able to help provide solutions for them. I love that, man. Well, I'm just blown away by your, your wisdom today. Dude, thanks for the show. I think I do. Yeah. Listen in. Hey, everybody, share the show uh, for people. Uh, you can find it on Twitter, PaulGeorge.LA. I mean, at PaulGeorgeII or on the interwebs, which is good. Good stuff. PaulGeorge.LA. Adam, thanks so much. Thanks to Chris Fattis. It's a great show. And we'll see you next time. God bless.